0: This is the Emperor. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Eat it.
1: You are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And now, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows. Here are your you here, 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 here.
2: This is a capital. We have a real problem with our infant sequence,
0: so we may experience some slight turnips and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Well just with the cowboy, would you? What's this place? It's a free show.
3: Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. This is episode 155. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Hello, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin, and uh, we are back. Miles, I just saw you last week. We can't be recording two episodes back to back. I know what's going on here. This is a record. Well, let me tell you, we won't we won't repeat this mistake next week. <laughs>
1: Um, regardless, that's, it's good to be back. In the it diner. is great
3: to be here. The reason we won't next week is next week it falls in the United States on Thanksgiving itself, and I think my family would kill me if I tried to record a podcast on Thanksgiving night.
1: Yeah, my family might have a few words to say about yeah, that. Yeah, they
3: might. But uh, the following Tuesday we will be back, and we will have shows for you nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, I guess is that's it. I, we hope you enjoyed our opening with Sam Whitwer. Oh yes, uh, as the a- emperor.
1: We had a fantastic time talking with him a couple years ago. Yeah, but
3: by the way, he does voice the Emperor in The Force Unleashed and Unleashed 2, for those of you that played that video game, and uh, we love Sam Whitmer. We do. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so we hope you enjoyed it, and it's a Star Wars-centric episode tonight. We'll be talking about Star Wars a lot. We held off last episode, but unfortunately, a lot of news coming down the pike, or fortunately, a lot of news about Star Wars Episode 7.
1: The aftershock of what happened. Of what Lucas has done. Uh, Yes. How dare him! I'm no, just kidding. That may have been a good thing.
3: <laughs> many, many Bothans died to bring you this episode.
1: Yes. <laughs> in honor of the Bothans.
3: Yes. By the way, crickets in last week's episode. You got to talk to Wayne Henderson about that. Mm-hmm. If you never listened to tuning in with Wayne Henderson, his podcast, also the Fringe casting with Wayne and Dan, you got to check it out. But not in this week's episode, but in last week's episode of Fringe. Yeah, <laughs> they were they were they were talking about the crickets in our podcast, so I threw them in. Oh, so good. that's why you heard. That's why you heard the crickets at the beginning, and that's mm-hmm. only. That's the only reason. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Miles, how have you been? Doing well, thank you. Anything new and exciting in your sci-fi world? You caught up with everything. Uh,
1: not caught up with um, Walking Dead because um, somebody in my family, um, who remained nameless, decided to watch while I was recording because you can only record two things at once, and if you and. Uh, and you have to leave it there. You can't watch something else. Uh, decided they wanted to watch something else. So my Walking Dead didn't get recorded on Sunday.
3: Ooh, so you're actually waiting to watch it.
1: So I'm a little bitter about that. I would be. I yes. would be definitely bitter. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So uh, so I'm not caught up on Walking Dead. Uh, but otherwise on We'll other blame issues. the
3: cat just to be nice.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm.
3: So but everything else you're caught up on? Everything else I'm caught up on, yeah. Oh, very good. Very mm-hmm. good. I'm caught up on Arrow. Mm-hmm. Not Walking Dead, although... Miles, you'll be very happy. And listeners, I did start watching Walking Dead Season 2. Well,
1: when we get to when we'll talk, when we talk, we to listener feedback, we'll have to yeah, get your you feedback know, on that one.
3: It was a terrible ending. Dude, <laughs> I almost couldn't watch it. I almost couldn't watch it. That's all I'm saying, but I couldn't watch it. Mm-hmm. I am watching DS9 again. I kind of took a hiatus from DS9. I, you know, it was on the Star Trek kick. Those of you listeners know, I watched Next Generation and probably like three months. Voyager, probably pretty similarly. Mm-hmm. And I got to DS9... And it got about to the middle of season three. Not even. First four episodes, five episodes of season three, and I kind of petered out. Lost interest, in not time, whatever. I watched six episodes this past weekend. Mm-hmm. The past tense ones, episodes one and two, phenomenal episodes. And I kind of hooked, hooked back into it, although I fell asleep in last night's episode. Oh. But good. It was very good. I'm mm-hmm. enjoying DS9 again. Stolp and Arrow. Not caught up in Walking Dead, mm-hmm. but up in Fringe. Very excited about what's going on.
1: I'll be curious when you get up to season four, when, when you see Worf, what, what
3: you'll think then. I can't wait. Yeah. can't wait to see Worf. It's going to be good.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, why don't we go ahead and move into our menu tonight? We sure. have a pretty uh, rip-roaring menu. Oh, Tell we us do. About
1: it. Well, we're going to be uh, sharing our interview with uh, Thomas Decker uh, from Secret Circle, but probably most no, uh, remember from uh, his playing the role of John Connor in Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles,
3: Zack and Heroes.
1: And Zack and Heroes. And um, in trivia, um, we, ha- we have a well, way you could win a piece of uh, Mr. John Connor. That's right. And uh, his co-stars. Yeah. And TV news, yeah. screw you, Classic Who. And uh, Battlestar Galactica, Blood and Chrome rocks it. And movie news, we have a new Hobbit trailer. Um, Lucas has the Force. Star Wars Episode Seven has a writer. And Darth Vader might be back. And uh, Fox's comic series, uh,
3: uh, Bonanza, 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 bonanza. Okay, but you know what you know what it is. We may not even do that story because we have some other news. We're going to throw in TV news. I don't have on the list here, but
1: that's okay. Fine. Uh, this week's twist. Uh, so we we have so we have the chat app. Uh, all things uh, William Shatner, and um, is JJ Abrams going to be? Now I know this is this is the week in Star Trek, but we just got so much talk about Star Wars that. Um, uh, so is JJ possibly going to be directing Star Wars Seven? And sci fi five at five, um uh sci fi women who would totally kick our butts.
3: Yes, mm-hmm. totally kick our butt. Yes. By the way, they uh if we made it this week in Star Wars we'd have to it wouldn't be no longer the twist, it'd be the twiz.
1: Okay. That's harder or to the say The Twizz.
3: Or the twiz were I don't know. We'll just keep it th- uh, this yeah, week in structure. We definitely will. We definitely will. <laughs> right. All right. Well, let's move in. Before we get into some of these other stories and news stories that we're going to have to share with you tonight, let's go into our trivia. We gave you this trivia in the last episode. We're giving it again. What is going on? Let's start with what can these people win?
1: Well, um, they can win an autographed picture from Mr. Thomas Decker, and it's a fantastic-looking picture. He's autographed already, but he's in the center. It's not
3: only fantastic because of John Connor, right, Thomas Decker?
1: But his two lovely co-stars, Lena Headley and uh, Summer Glau.
3: You know, this retrospect, Fox has to be looking back at the cancellation of Terminator Mm -hmm. and looking at what Summer Glau and what Lena Headley has done, and even Thomas Decker, and they had a powerhouse of a central... Oh cast.
1: my! Oh my! Yes, yes. with
3: Brian Austin Green on it yet? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Last thing I saw him was Desperate Housewives, and not because I watched, because my wife watched. it. Okay. okay. I'm disqualifying it. Mm-hmm. I, I have no clue what's going on in that.
1: I, is it, I didn't know that show was still on, but okay. No, I don't
3: know if it's still on or not, but he he was on. Well, some you, of the episodes. My mm, wife's watching. Well, on Netflix. Workers
1: work. Is work. Like, I mean, uh,
3: yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> when you're married to Megan Mega Fox, Fox, you have to you have to work for a living. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess you could take that couple different ways. But anyways, that's what you'll win. A signed friend of Thomas Decker, who we met at shortly. Right. Uh, so what is a, how do they win this? How do they earn okay. this?
1: We're going back to a classic sci-fi movie from the 80s. Um, it, it shouldn't be too difficult if you just do a little homework. So IMDb is your friend here. Right.
3: Uh, who was Starman in the movie by that name? Yeah, the movie by the name, by the way, was called Starman. Yes. In case you did that, <laughs> you out. Know? And the answer is, well, we aren't going to give it for you, give it to you yet. But if you want to earn this prize, you must not only identify that but give us a code word.
1: Right. So uh, spammers,
3: stay away. Uh, The the code word is satisfaction. I'm not going to sing it for you. I didn't call it up this time, but by the Rolling Stones, of course. (laughs) Right. And um, if you want to earn this prize, a couple ways you can do it. You can DM us on Twitter, Mm -hmm. Sci-Fi Diner. You can send us an email at the Sci-Fi Diner podcast at gmail.com. Or you can call in at 1 888 508 4343 and uh, let us know your answer So this and this, who you are.
1: Uh, yes, but uh, this is a great picture. If you're at a con and by chance Lena Headley's there or Summer Clow's there, get the get autograph this picture. It'll, it'll look great in your collection.
3: Absolutely. Let's move into our first promo tonight. Our first promo tonight is from the Gatecast. Mm -hmm. You told me that the Gatecast just had a pretty significant thing happen to them.
1: Yes, they just uh, finished up Season 7, and they started Season 8. But I um, listened to their seventh season um, review, and uh, their their guest host was somebody we had met at at Balticon. So um, a a shout-out to uh, Mr. David Robinson of the Roundtable podcast. Uh, He joined them on it. It's a very fun Look at uh, the seventh season of Stargate, and yeah. um, Mike and Alan do a fantastic job of
3: reviewing the episodes. Um, Dave Robinson's just a really neat guy. He is, He goes down to earth, and he runs a fabulous podcast. I know this isn't a promo for the Roundtable podcast, but definitely a podcast. If you're a writer, especially, you should be checking
1: out. You should de- de- most definitely. And a lot of our
3: good friends have been on there.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, and check out you know check out the Gatecast cast if you're a fan of Stargate it's it's uh, a Brit and an Irish guy um
3: walk into a bar walking into a there. bar and
1: what's on t v Stargate and you're hearing their their comments about it
3: yeah it's it's great mm-hmm. it's kind of you said it's kind of a um a mystery science theater look at it as well a little very bit. Sin- yeah 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 so mm-hmm. i mean they 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 love the series so they're kind of paying homage to it, but at the same time they yeah. they could
1: be irreverent because Stargate is a bit irreverent in absolutely too, in,
3: so. themse- in, in itself anyways, here's a promo for the gate cast.
0: I am the System Lord Montu. For many years, the people of the Tare have rejected our benevolent guidance. This cannot be allowed to continue, and for the good of the peoples of the galaxy, we offer up the evidence of their ignorance, in the hopes they see the truth and accept us as their gods. The chronicles of the Tare can be found under Kara. those with the chaparai. And the people of the Tare, the evidence of their ignorance resides on the internet at gatecast.phasecast.com Or search the web, or use your podcatcher. Gate cast. Listen to the words of the Krishna, Alan, and Mike. Their comments and insights into the actions of Stargate Command are worthy. Jaffa, Kree.
3: some tv news so screw you doctor who huh <laughs> yeah isn't that kind of what they're saying here <laughs> pretty so, much yeah so uh do you want to read the story um, I'll be, yeah i'll
1: read it let's go fine. ahead read this
3: story here. so six doctor warns there'll be no classic doctors back for who's 50th now let's stop miles before you get into the story we've been hearing kind of all along that for the 50th anniversary of doctor who they were bringing back all the doctors isn't that right. kind of what we reported That's before it, yes mm-hmm. and um and I know that you are not a real avid Doctor Who watcher. True. But this would be something that you would think they would want to bring back. Almost oh, definitely. Yeah. So, but let's go ahead and read the story. So, this is the article
1: uh, The Sixth Doctor, Colin Baker, who is best known for wearing a coat that looks like a rainbow threw up all over it, recently opened up about Doctor Who's 50th anniversary. Looks like he's not likely to appear in any future episodes, and that's not all. Specifically when asked if he would reprise his role for the show's 50th anniversary, Baker said, no, as far as I know, neither of any of my erstwhile colleagues have been asked either. He didn't seem terribly broken up about it either, adding, I I think they would be scraping the bottom of the barrel if they asked me to do it. All you have to do is hold a picture of what I look like right now and what I look like then, and then you know why. All right, Colin's not wrong. Still, though, 5th Doctor, Peter Davison, has recently successfully returned in the hilarious short episode, Time Crash. So surely there would be ways around the age issue. 7th Doctor, Sylvester McCoy, is enjoying a nice little resurgence as uh, Radagast, the Brown, in The Hobbit. So surely he would be be a contender for a return. Paul McGain's uh, 8th incarnation could have been fighting the Time War for as long as the show needed, which is to say nothing of the fact that the dude is still looking pretty fit. It seems, however, that despite of these reasons, the classic doctors of of this moment shan't return for the 50th. Should they? Moreover, do you believe this news, or is Colin Baker fibbing?
3: Well, let's address the end. Do we believe this news? It seems like this guy is being sincere. He doesn't seem to be pulling her leg. He doesn't seem to be coy about it from what we can tell. Right. I mean, 50 years, if you played one of the first doctors, you will have aged. Yeah, you you'll be up there too, (laughs) and you may not look very presentable.
1: Right, you might be self conscious about you know. So
3: I don't know. I think that um, it makes sense that they wouldn't be necessarily appearing. mm -hmm. But but
1: but I mean, as as Doctor Who fans, I mean, do you do you want to see some of the old classic Doctors just even make you know. Make some kind of guest appearance. I would
3: definitely like to see the new Doctors. I never watched the classic Doctors. I mean, I'm familiar with them. I know who they are. I've seen right. pictures of them, seen clips of them, uh-huh. but I've never gone back to watch the old Doctor Who episodes. I think right. it would be difficult to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, because they I, were,
3: you know, they were basically putting cardboard, stopping cardboard together for sets and creatures. Mm-hmm. And-
1: I heard they had budget constraints. So they early did, on. but
3: you know, s- still cult following. It kept going.
1: And oh, it's going on strong
3: today, yeah. and it's uh, certainly with a much bigger budget than they had back then. Almost oh, definitely, yeah. Um, so, I, I think he's probably true. I definitely would like to see <coughs> Eccleson and Tennant and Tenet back. Mm-hmm. I think I'd be I'd be all for that. And mm-hmm. Matt Smith obviously needs to be there. Wouldn't mind seeing some of the past companions back, mm-hmm. but we'll see how it is. Yeah, we'll see how it is. Well, I do have some other news here. I'm oh, yes. just, uh And we aren't going to do the Blood and Chrome. Let's do Blood and Chrome. We'll talk about Blood and Chrome in the listener feedback episode because okay. we really we'll spoil it then. But, okay. But um, apparently now, and maybe I'll post a link in the show notes for this, but you can actually listen to the complete Hobbit soundtrack. Oh, wow. So, uh, or at least that's what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't have the actual link to it here. And – um but they're, they're saying that you can do it, and that just came through Blaster. Well, we got some S.H.I.E.L.D. news, and who's directing S.H.I.E.L.D.? Mr. Joss Whedon. Yes, which we are, of course, fans of Avengers and fans of a lot of the work he's done. Right. Um, the best thing about Whedon's new Avengers, adjacent TV show based on secret organization S.H.I.E.L.D., moving ahead at breakneck speed, is that we get more and more details seemingly every week. And this time, it's the confirmation of two more actors, tidbits, on the ca- and the characters they will be playing. Elizabeth Headstring and, and Lane, uh, Elaine De Castecker are the latest actors to join the cast, and they'll be playing two more expert agents. Headstring will take on the role of science whiz agent Gemma Simmons, while De Castecker, I'm probably butchering the name, take a drink, uh, will take on agent Leo Fitz, who is described as a technology guru. Perhaps the most notable piece of information about these characters is that they will apparently spend all their time together, mostly bickering. And if we know anything about Joss Whedon, and TV in general, that means two things. One of these two is probably going to be mixing business with pleasure, and two, one or both of them is going to die bloody and in the most dramatic way possible. With Ming-Na and Clark Gregg already on board, that brings us to four Asians so far. Now bring on the villains. So Ma Ning, of course, is a Stargate SGU fan. Right?
1: I recognize the name, yeah,
3: mm-hmm. yeah. So great to have some news. I don't know a lot about these agents, and again, if they are based on based on like uh, actual comic book mythos, someone's going to have to explain maybe the reason behind that.
1: Right. I'm not familiar with these characters either, so. Um, but I'm, I'm that's okay. I mean, it's in Joss Whedon's hands, and in Joss, we trust. I. I, I, I the, the, the Joss we
3: trust Yes It'll be good It'll be good Well we got some other news about Arrow Now you You're up on Arrow Oh love Arrow Arrow continues to wow us And mm-hmm. we recorded last week when Arrow well, I guess Arrow come out You haven't watched it yet uh, Love last week's episode of Arrow Continuing to absolutely love the show mm-hmm. And here's one more reason To love the show I'm going to say one word Two words Okay Lincoln Lee Ooh So Former Fringe star resurfaces as Arrow's villainous Vertigo. All right. So let's go ahead and just read the story here again. Okay. Just when we thought we couldn't love Arrow anymore, they go and pull us up like this. The action dramas already cast Torchwood, SG-1, Farscape stars, and now it's moving on the Fringe. And guess who's coming to Starling City? Seth Gable. Or should we call him the man who would be Vertigo? The former fringe agent, Lincoln Lee, is eyeing the villainous role for later this season. As we previously mentioned, this version of the character is drastically different from the comics. The most noticeable change is his name. He won't go by Vertigo. That will actually be the street name for the new drug that's been smuggled into the city. Also, his aesthetic is totally different. He's not a count, but a truly scary and nightmarish nightmarish adversary. He'll be one of Oliver's deadliest rivals to date. And that's saying a lot. Gable makes his big bad debut early next year. Are you looking forward to Gable's appearance? Oh, definitely. I loved him in Fringe. I was sad when he went to the alt-universe and we don't see him anymore.
1: Right, but at least they they kind of wrapped up the loose ends with his character.
3: And at least he gets to be with Olivia.
1: Yes, at least, you know, he he was... with olivia full olivia so. Right, so at least, yeah, at least he has that, you know. So, yeah, he, he was fantastic
3: in Fringe, and I can could, I could see him playing a good bad guy. Yes, and I'm looking forward to seeing him again. I loved his role so much in Fringe,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and he grew on me, and i was sad that they cut him loose for the final season. But I imagine a lot of that was just budgetary constraints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on into our next piece of news, and let's move into some movie news. And we briefly mentioned The Hobbit uh The Hobbit trailer or the Hobbit uh, music, but we do have a new trailer. Do you want to tell us about it, Miles? I'd be happy to. Intense new Hobbit trailer shows off crazy
1: Middle-Earth action. Crazy, I tell you. It's crazy. As we inch closer to the opening of Peter Jackson's The Hobbit next month, the studio has released a new trailer showing off some intense new action footage from Lord of the Rings prequel. The new footage jumps right into the action with orcs and tons of epic action on display. It looks fantastic and definitely has the same feel as the previous Lord of the Rings trilogy. Here is the official synopsis for the first installment of An Unexpected Journey. The Hobbit. An Unexpected Journey follows the title character of Bilbo Baggins, who is swept into an epic quest to reclaim the lost dwarf kingdom of Erebor, which was long ago conquered by the dragon uh, Smaug. Approached out of the blue by the wizard Gandalf the Grey, Bilbo finds herself joining a company of 13 dwarves led by the legendary warrior Thorin Oakenshield, Their journey will take them into the wild, through treacherous lands swarming with goblins and orcs, deadly wargs, and giant spiders. Shapeshifters and sorcerers, although their goal lies to the east and the wastelands of the Lonely Mountain, first they must escape the goblin tunnels where Bilbo meets the creature that will change his life forever, Gollum. Here alone with Gollum on the shores of the underground lake, the unassuming Bilbo Baggins not only discovers depths of guile and courage, that surpass even him, he also gains possession of Gollum's precious ring that holds unexpected and useful qualities. A simple gold ring that is tied to the fate of
3: Middle-earth in ways Bilbo cannot begin to know. Let's play that trailer and see uh, what we think about it. Okay. Mr. Bilbo, where are you
0: off to? I'm going on an adventure! <laughs> use a sword in my life. No, actually, sure, it is a sword. More of a letter opener, really.
3: The Hot and Unexpected Journey's film is not yet rated. Advanced tickets now on sale in theaters December 14th. Whoa. Yeah. That, a lot of action in this one. That, that piques my interest. I definitely... Well, I, I was going to go see it anyways. What am I going to say? I'm definitely seeing this in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's m- probably the only movie – and probably the next movie I'm going to see. Although Bond, it's getting great reviews and I should go to see that in theaters. I probably won't. But mm-hmm. it got they – say, they're, they're saying it's one of the best Bonds out there, Miles.
1: Yeah, I've, I've heard really good stuff about this movie too. Yeah.
3: But Hobbit, definitely looking forward to it. I'm glad we have this trailer just to whet our appetite a little bit more, mm-hmm. just to make me a little bit more stir-crazy. All Right. Should we go to a midnight showing? No,
1: I'm not not what? ready. For, not Not into the midnight show. Oh, cool. I want to be fully awake when I see it.
3: Right, right. True, mm-hmm. true. You're, you're right, because I would have to take off school the next day. And... Yeah, it would just create a bunch of complications. Maybe complications. But definitely worth seeing. Uh, are you guys looking forward to The Hobbit? We are. Let us know at one 888 508 Well, let's move into our next story. And from here on out, it becomes a little bit more about Star Wars. So – the big question has been, Miles, how involved is George Lucas going to be? And we've heard he's going to be on as like a creative consultant mm-hmm. or as kind of someone that they're going to pass inf- information through. But we got a little bit more details and actually from Lucas himself as to how involved he's going to be in Star Wars. All right? Okay. So let me go ahead and read this story. And then there's a small video clip of uh, a short interview that I'm going to play with him talking about his involvement. So, George Lucas reveals how involved he'll be in Star Wars Episode 7. After Lucasfilm sold to Disney, the big question has been just how involved Star Wars creator George Lucas would be in the upcoming sequels. If a new interview with Lucas is to be believed, we have our answer. A lot. An in interview explaining the deal, Lucas and Lucasfilm exec Kathleen Kennedy discuss a plan moving forward. Aside from reiterating that all those tie-in novels and comics are officially not, uh, not uh, continuity, Continuity is not... uh, Continuity. Continuity, thank you. Mm -hmm. Couldn't pronounce that word. Lucas explains what his role as creative consultant will be. Essentially, he's going to have his fingerprints all over the script. Michael Arden, Hunger Games and Catching Fire and Little Miss Sunshine, Finnis and Ferb, is putting together. So here's just a segment of the interview.
0: Can you tell us about the new Star Wars films? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Why are you asking questions that you know we can't answer? Well, we can certainly say that we're absolutely going to make movies Mm -hmm. we're sitting down with a couple of writers and we're starting to discuss ideas and we're starting to talk about what those stories might be and we're recognizing that um i think they could be pretty fun and pretty great and what do you see your role as creative consultant what does that mean i just said that i would i would back her up and i would be there if uh you know and
1: especially helping with the with the script and making sure the script sort of There's a lot of blank spots in the story treatment that hopefully we can fill in. uh...
0: I think the incredible thing about George is, you know, this is not like a series of books like Harry Potter where you've already got a template of what the stories might be. These These are original stories and original ideas that come out of a world that essentially is in George's head. So the beauty of the collaboration that can continue is as we work our way through these scripts, if we're sitting and saying, hmm, you know, I wonder if, uh, if this character can do that or does this make sense within the rules of Star Wars? That really, he's the keeper of the well, flame it's, when it's it comes the, to it's, that.
1: It's the same thing with the first three films. That's all my job is, is to be the keeper of the flame.
0: You know, it's really exciting because I think there's a whole generation of filmmakers that have been inspired by George and Star Wars and, and they're absolutely thrilled, excited and daunted at the prospect of possibly being able to step in and carry the mantle of making these movies. And I think that's exciting too, is that those new filmmakers coming into this franchise and, and being able to take all the incredible ideas and characters and places that we can go within this universe offer incredible opportunities. What are you looking for in a director? Enthusiasm. Um, Obviously, you know, having a sense of of how to tell stories within complex worlds like this. There are many people who sprang to mind with writers and directors that I've worked with in the past that um, I'm really excited to try to bring into the fold on this. I think we have a unique opportunity to go after some incredibly talented people. It's not going to be people who don't already have some affinity mm-hmm. for Star Wars, probably. It's going to be somebody who uh, really appreciates what Star Wars meant to them and, and is excited to dive in and, and be a part of this. I think that's the thing that I think will become immediately apparent are the directors who walk into the room and say, I can't wait to be a part <laughs> of this. Well. And since you brought it up, I suggest that everybody send their resume to you, (laughs) not not to Kathy. She doesn't have time. Yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty long list.
3: All right, so what do you think about what George is saying here? Uh, They're pulling in out of this article. They're saying, look, he's going to have his fingerprints all over it. Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily getting that from the interview.
1: No, it it definitely seems like he's... He said the keeper of the flame. So he, he is taking a big step back from uh, from this.
3: Yeah, and he seems to be he's going to be there for the writer to read over the scripts, and so you could view that as being controlling.
1: Mm-hmm. But he he, he 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 he's he's only being a creative consultant, so I don't think he really has any creative control over this anymore. I mean...
3: Yeah, here's what... The, the, the story they have written here is that it's not too surprising to here that Disney wants an original arch- architect involved in the scripting phase. But let's hope that execs, the execs keep enough control to prevent Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, level meltdown of Jar Jar proportions. Right. You know, I just... You know, I can see us getting some more cutesy things in. It's Disney, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, whether it be the Ewoks... There's some are, – are the droids. There has always been something there that appeals to a younger audience, all right? Oh, yeah. and I think it's one of the trademarks of it. Um, can we do it in a way that does it and doesn't annoy the heck out of Star Wars fans? Hopefully. I think if anyone can do it, Disney can.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think – yeah. I, I'm cautiously optimistic that Disney will find the right balance between pleasing the kids and – so, also said they can create more Star Wars theme rides at their at their at their Disney parks. Absolutely,
3: they can put Star Wars. They can actually create now Star Wars World.
1: So, yeah, exactly. I mean, they do have the um, Star Tours, which they've had for quite a long time. But, right. but now that now now that they own Star
3: Wars, they can do you know they can do whatever the heck they want. There's always been a close affinity. They've had Star Wars Days and other mm-hmm. things there that are a part of it. I, I don't. I think it's good that George Lucas is involved. I don't. Think from what I'm getting that he is controlling the script, but that, maybe, yeah. but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just interpreting it different than some people are. I think mm-hmm. people have a lot of fears about this and how involved will be because they obviously honor him as the creator of the Star Wars franchise. But uh, no secret here, Miles. Uh, his scripting has not been the best.
1: Well, we both been a bit vocal about what we thought
3: of the you know the the three prequels, but uh, even. The, even in the original trilogy, mm-hmm. the strong point of those was not the scripting, in my opinion.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, but 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 I think in the original, I mean, the 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 original three, I think there was definitely something. The characters, I think we cared about the characters more in, right. the, in the original three. They they, they had interesting the, the relationships and. And, and, and development in the original three, that was lost in in, in this yeah, this new one. I agree. And so, hopefully, Disney will get a, a, a you know a writer that can somehow for the, for the, us older Star Wars fans, you know, care about the characters and, and also something that it'll you know um, enamor the, the children, which I'm sure they will.
3: Well, since you brought it up, let's talk about the writer. That's okay. our next piece of news. Do you okay. want to? Do you want to read
1: it? Well, let's talk. Yes. It, so it is now official. Star Wars Episode Seven has a writer,
3: and we did allude to it in the last uh, article we just read. But go ahead.
1: So we've been wondering who Disney and Lucasfilm would hire to write the new Star Wars sequel, and now that the higher ups have been confirmed, that the job has officially been filled. So who will pen Star Wars Seven? As was rumored a few days ago, Michael Arndt uh, from The Hunger Games, uh, Catching Fire, and Little Miss Sunshine. Phineas and Ferb have been confirmed as the man who will bring one of the most beloved sci-fi franchises back to the big screen. Lucasfilm released the news Friday evening at StarWars.com. As a pre-production of Star Wars Episode 7 begins, Lucasfilm has confirmed that the award-winning writer, Michael Arndt, will write this screenplay for the new Star Wars film, as revealed in the ongoing video series uh, posted here on StarWars.com. Kathleen Kennedy and George Lucas have uh, begun story conference with, uh, with Arndt. Arndt won the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay for writing Little Miss Sunshine for 2006 and was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay for writing Toy Story 3 for uh, 2010. Um, though he doesn't have a mountain of experience, Arnt's catalog is solid, and we're curious to see his take on Star Wars. Plus, with George Lucas uh, staying on as a consultant, you have to think he'll get a pass at the thing before it's all over, which would be a good, thi- good which could be a good thing or a bad thing. It all depends. So what do you think? Is Arnt the man for the job?
3: Well, you know, uh, I remember Little Miss Sunshine being such a hit when it came out. And also just um – and also Toy Story 3 was a very well-done film. Did you see Toy Story 3? No, I haven't okay. seen either film. So – so, uh, and he obviously has some chops with finish and fur, which is still on the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hunger Games, Catching Fire, obviously very popular and successful. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So I guess you have to look at it and say, well, it's not like they're bringing in a, a, a rookie. This guy knows how to write a show, and he's he's won awards for it. So yeah, so he's an award winning writer. Right? Can he handle the Star Wars franchise? Mm-hmm. We hope. We hope that we don't know anything about his background or his love of Star Wars here, and that's one thing that's kind of vacant. It's a mystery. Um, but <coughs> I'm not I'm not going to judge him too harshly here.
1: Well, he, my my thing is like Star Trek. Um, Gene Roddenberry had it for years. And then uh, back in the '90s, he pretty much gave the reins to uh, Rick Berman, and Star Trek needed new blood back then. Um, and
3: Star Wars needs new blood in right now.
1: Exactly, yeah. and so I, I think it, it, it's time to you know uh, pass the torch to uh, other people who can you know
3: do different different things with it. Well, we have a rumor. We do. Rumor of the day: Star Wars Seven will bring Darth Vader back to life. Uh, so here's the story. It's a rumor. Again, not a story, but it was kind of fun to put in here with everything else. Uh, through, though a lot of original cast have expressed interest in bringing their characters back to Star Wars 7, one of the franchise's most famous baddies bit the dust decades ago. But don't count Darth Vader out just yet. The Express is reporting a rumor that Disney is keen to bring the iconic evildoer Darth Vader back for the latest installment which could be tough considering he died in the climax of Return of the Jedi. Here's what the anonymous insider has to say. He's an integral part of the franchise. Replacing him is virtually impossible. The plan is for him to return and play a significant role in the new films. The science fiction, remember, Darth Vader will rise from the ashes. It makes sense that they want to use Vader, one of the most iconic characters in the film, in their new trilogy. But if true... It could irk fans that one of the biggest moments from the original film's recon, retcon just to use it as a popular character. It'll be interesting to see how this one plays out, but you got to admit, it would be cool to have Han, Luke, Leia, and Vader all back in one film. What do you think? Should Vader make a comeback from the dead? Hmm. Opinions?
1: Um, Initial thoughts? There maybe? needs to be some allusions to Vader in this new film, whether he's a character in it, they're going to have to do something really creative where it won't, um, like they, no Like if they retcon it, it'll it, you know I'll, I'll be upset.
3: I'll be upset if they bring him back as like a central character. What yeah. I won't be upset if if Luke is going about his day and he has a vision of his father as Vader. You know, they I, I can see e- flashbacks. They could easily do that sort of thing. They don't typically do it in Star Wars, mm-hmm. but there's no reason why they couldn't through the force have him calling.
1: I I could even see. Maybe the Emperor cloned Anakin Skywalker and maybe some Sith Lord brings Vader back to life or something. So there, there's, there's ways to do it. There's
3: ways to do it, but I'm going to be honest. The first six movies were the story of Anakin Skywalker. Mm-hmm. If you want the franchise to continue, let's take it beyond the story. Let's take it beyond Vader. I mean, right. Vader's dead and to, to bring him back kind of negates all that.
1: Yeah, so it, it can't fall. It, it can't rest
3: on fallen Vader. Um, and will James? And here's the thing: Will James Earl Jones voice it, or will they get another actor that can imitate the voice? Well, if it, it, they they would need James Earl Jones, I would think so. Yeah. I would think so. But you know what? I'm not. I'm going to be honest, Miles. I want a new direction for Star Wars, and yeah. I love Vader. Vader is great, but. Bringing him back would, in my opinion, would be a disservice to the Star Wars franchise. And we kind of the circle was complete. We saw him as a young boy all the way to his death. Mm -hmm. Let's move on into another character.
1: Yeah, I'm that way too. I don't want to see Vader as a central character. It's it's time. If Star Wars is going to survive and thrive, it needs to, you
3: know, go go to some different directions. Yeah. Well, let's move in to this week in Star Trek, Star Wars. I mean, Star Trek. <laughs> um, so, Miles, go ahead, take it away. Well, first thing that's
1: definitely Star Trek related is, so you want Shatner's voice in your pocket? There's an app for that. Ooh, there is. Yes. So, uh, I have a video if, clip
3: for this, by the way.
1: Oh, cool. So, even if you love to hate it, there's no doubt you'll. We, we all love. Have to love for William Shatner's legendary voice. In fact, some of you probably have been wishing you could just carry that voice around your pocket all day long. Right? Right? Well, this is your lucky day. BlindLight apps have just launched a new $2.99 download for your iPhone called Shattery, which lets you create your own bit of William Shatner's monologues based on pre-recorded speech from the actor himself. It's like having Shatner in your pocket, and he'll say almost anything you want. Basically, you get to choose from any of the words Shatner pre-recorded, then arrange those words into a phrase or speech or poem for Shatner's voice to read back to you. You could even pick from three different cadences based on what tone you'd like to set. And best of all, you can insert a patented Shatner pause at any given time, that extra shat- Shatner-y feel. For example, here's a Shatnism, As the app calls for them, perfect for the Friday evening
3: commute, commute to home. All right. So let me go ahead and play that chat ism Time to journey home. How wonderful. So uh, what do you think,
1: Miles? If I had an iPhone, I would definitely get this. Oh, I
3: bet you would. Go <laughs> ahead. Can you read to finish the story here? The so, app also comes with. Right. So it also...
1: For example, the app also comes with a create-with-friends create mode, so you can collaborate on new chat isms and even build on chat isms your friends have already created. It's perf for the diehard Shatner fan or for someone who just wants to really annoy a friend who's Super Agent Patrick Stewart.
3: <laughs> right. Yep, so. and so it's available in the iTunes store if you want it. Unfortunately, right. no Android app as far as we know, but for those of you iPhone users, you can have, you can have the chat app. Right. Very good. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move into our next piece of Star Trek news.
1: So, our next piece of Star Trek news. So, is J.J. Abrams possibly going to direct Star Wars Episode 7? Um, got this off uh, TrekNews.net. Following last week's surprising merger of Lucasfilm and Disney, it has already been announced that three new Star Wars films are already planned. Yes. Oh, sorry. That's okay. With Star Wars Episode 7, a schedule to begin filming. Sometime in 2014, in a release set for the following year, the search for a director ha- has to become a top priority for the Disney team. The official Star Wars website has already reported that the award-winning writer, uh, Michael Arndt, has been tapped to write the screenplay. As pre-production of Star Wars Episode 7 begins, Lucasfilm has confirmed that award-winning writer, Michael Arndt, will write the screenplay for the new Star Trek film, as revealed in the ongoing video series posted here on StarWars.com. Kathleen Kenyon and George Lucas have begun story conference with Arndt. According to Vulture, some of the Hollywood's biggest names, including Star Trek's J.J. Abrams, The Incredibles' Brad Bird, and Raiders of the Lost Ark's Steven Spielberg well, will, or possibly have already received a 40-something page treatment of the film to gauge their interest in taking on directed duties for the film. The update. Uh, Hollywood Life has recently discussed the possibility of directing the next Star Wars film with J.J. Abrams during an interview. While Abrams plays down the possibility, he doesn't entirely rule it out. Look, Star Wars is one of my favorite movies of all time. I, I frankly feel that. I almost feel that in a weird way. The opportunity for whomever it is to direct the, that movie, it comes with the burden of being that kind of iconic movie and series. I was never a big Star Trek fan growing up, so, so for me, working on Star Trek didn't have any, way, any of that. You know, almost feels sacrilege, and so I am looking forward more than anyone for the next iterations of Star Wars. But I would be going as, as paying as a moviegoer. So
3: we'll uh we'll have more on the story as it develops. Yeah, so JJ Abrams directing Star Wars. Can he handle two of the top franchises in the history of science fiction?
1: Well, that would be historic as, you know, having, you know, having that happen. Uh, but will he have to I mean will he have time to do that? I mean, as far as um I, well, mean,
3: I mean, Star Trek Star Trek 2s in the can.
1: Probably. Right, it's going to be released next year, so it, it, it they'll probably start filming sometime in 2014, I guess. There's or
3: yeah, so I mean, so will they? When will they begin filming number three Star mm-hmm. Trek? I don't know. They have to get a script together for it. I have a feeling that he will not be tapped, or if he is, it's going to push off the next Star Star Trek sequel.
1: Right, mm-hmm.
3: and so how do you feel about that?
1: Well, I, I I like what he did with the new Star Trek movie. I mean, and I like, you know, I like the shows he's put on TV, you know, Fringe. So he, he would, be, and he, and this is something that he loves. I, I, I don't doubt he'd do a good job with it.
3: Yeah, I think he'll do a fine job with mm-hmm. it. So, and well, anything else in this week in Star Trek? No, that's it for this week. All right. Well, thank you for sharing it. You're welcome. Well, let's move into our last promo tonight. Our last promo tonight is going to be the promo for Fringe casting with Wayne and Dad. So. If you're a Fringe fan with Miles, you are, I I am, am. and this is the last season for Fringe. Make sure you go check out Wayne and Dan's podcast, Fringe Castling with Wayne and Dan. It's all about the crickets, man. It's all about the crickets. Hmm. Wayne Henderson here, and I am excited to have three of the top Fringe Division agents with us today. So, since we're here, we might as well take advantage of the situation and just talk about... About how the Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan podcast is proud to be podcasting about this fifth and final season of the TV show Fringe?
0: Oh, I'm sorry if at this moment when the universe is collapsing, I forgot the magic word.
3: For magic word, you meant FringeCastingPodcast.com, right?
0: Well, Let's not jump to conclusions. I'm not.
3: I don't really know what to say. It's all right, Olivia. You go ahead and fight the Baldies with Etta out on the fringe and i'll remind our friends to check out the fringe casting podcast at fringe castingpodcast.com. now i'm off to get my co-host dan out of some amber
0: thank you for your attention and have a nice day and egg sticks
3: Back, we are about to embark on our interview with Thomas Decker. Oh, yeah, do you remember this interview?
1: I do. It was, uh, we had a really good time talking with uh, with, with uh, Thomas. Uh, we um we went in that I don't know what you call it little, outside, just a
3: little quadrangle, little atrium type of area,
1: right? So, you might hear some background noise, but that's okay. He he gave us a decent amount of his time, which and um, we just—I I thought we had a really good interview with him. I mean, real down to earth guy. Very down to earth, but he has been in this business since he was a toddler, basically. <laughs> hey,
3: what, what was he, four or five? Pretty, hear yeah. in the interview. of we
1: we asked him that, and, but he, so he, he, you know, even for guys young as he is, he has he is a, a lot of a lot of experience in this business.
3: My first remembrance of him, of course, is hero is playing Zach Clare's mm-hmm. boyfriend, not really boyfriend, I guess, gay boyfriend or whatever it is. Right? Yeah, they're. Um, that was a part of it. And then he moved into, wow, did he buff up for John Connor?
1: <laughs> right. He definitely def, definitely a departure. Uh, I didn't know this at the time. I mean, he, he was a child actor. He was on some episodes of Star Trek Voyager where he played a holographic character. Oh, I
3: didn't uh, realize in, that. In,
1: yeah, in Janeway's uh, holo novel, that
3: period piece, he was a little boy. Oh, that's right! I sure. can remember him saying that. I forgot that. And Secret Circle, you didn't watch, right? Right. So I'm not sure what he's doing now, but um, we want to share this interview with you. It was Shore Leave. Was it was 34, 34, yes. right? So Shore Leave 34 that we interviewed him. And so, again, thanks to the guys at Shore Leave, the gals at Shore Leave for making this interview happen. You mm-hmm. guys rock. We look forward to coming back next year to Shore Leave 35. But this is our interview with Thomas Decker
0: I don't know about God or heaven. you believe that someone or something wants this world to burn? Machines, Sarah. Machines, they are
2: coming. You can pretend they're not, but they are coming, and they are faster and stronger. And they've been built to do one perfect thing. To
0: kill you. there was a time i was a hero to my son you changed the future you just didn't change it enough so you can do it again he thought i walked on water some people always fight he knows better now you're useless like this he doubts me he's never doubted me before you don't
3: know anything you ever feel like running and escaping Hard time
2: That boy behaves less like John Connor and more like John Baum every day.
0: That boy, my son, has been through more than you'll ever know. There's only one way for him to be safe. It's to be alone. What kind of life is that? He wasn't talking to anyone anymore. John's life. Someday. Just her. I don't like the way he responds to you.
2: Someday one of these things is going to kill you. It's not going to be this one. She's different. They carry death.
0: That's our sole function, to terminate humans Not you No, but what was there, it'll always be there So down deep, do you want to kill me? Yes, I do She
3: saved my life
1: She saves my life Ladies and gentlemen, we're at Shirley 34 and we're hanging out with Thomas Decker, well known for his roles in Terminator and Sarah Connor Chronicles, playing a young John Connor and Heroes, playing the role of Zach, the friend of Claire, played by Hayden Pantier. And a lot of us were bummed when we heard that Terminator and Sarah, Con- Con- Sarah Connor Chronicles <laughs> was, renewed, was not going to be renewed. However, that, that has not kept our guest down, for he's been quite busy since the show ended working in independent movies and working in the original HBO movie cinema, Verite, working with such acting greats like Timothy Robbins, Diane Lane, and James Gandolfini. In 2010, our guest starred in Michael Bay's remake of Nightmare on Elm Street, but most recently our guest has kind of gone back to his roots in the sci-fi fantasy world in the CW's The Secret Circle. Mr. Decker, welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Happy to meet
3: you. Oh, we we're glad, we glad you're here shortly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's fun. I'm having a good time. Good, good. Did you, do you get to do the cons so much?
2: Yeah, I've been doing them more and more lately. Um, there's a there's one in London that's specifically for Terminator, mm-hmm. uh, for the TV show, which is great because it's just kind of hardcore fans of the show. And then I just did London Film and Comic Con, and um, I did Dragon Con, and they're they're all very different. From oh, China, yeah. Which oh, yeah. Is
1: nice. yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely. Get to see, see the country, see the world, you know. Yeah, it's great. You get
2: to go all kinds of places, and
3: mm-hmm. you know. Now, does the one in London that does does that reunite you with a lot of your fellow castmates then?
2: Um, not with fellow castmates, but it, weirdly, when I went, there was all these people from you know, there was Jewel State from Firefly, and and um, a bunch of people that I'd worked with on other projects like my whole life. Like I worked with her when I was like ten years old, and hadn't seen her in,
3: in years. Yeah. And
2: so it's kind of fun, and you get you know, you're all kind of stuck in one area, so you get to hang out and, and reminisce. So it's always yeah. time.
3: <laughs> uh,
1: you're a young guy. However, I look at your IMD resume, you've been in the business for almost twenty years. Uh, What made you decide to pursue acting at such a young age? Oh, boy. Yeah, and you're right. It will be 20 years this year, which
2: is nuts. Um, (laughs) I know. uh, uh, You know, it all kind of happened really accidentally, and both my parents were in music. They weren't – I didn't have the kind of pushy, typical stage parent-type situation going on, which was nice. And it it just kind of fell into – our laps, I'd say, as I was a, a, a little kid, but um, I always just had such fun with it, and I remember, you know, Star Trek was one of my very first experiences, the movie, and then the and then the show, the Voyager show, and uh, <clears throat> I just found it so fun and entertaining that I think my parents always were kind of, of the mind that, you know, if you ever want to quit, we just quit, but it just kept going, and I, so I don't know if any of us made the choice to, it just... I still kind of can't believe that I'm doing it, you know, all these years later. But I, I've never gotten bored of it. So I had a brief period where I thought I was a bit bored of it when I was about 17, and um, was this close to, to to calling it quits. And then I got Heroes, and then everything kind of picked up still again. Okay, so, Yeah, right. yeah.
1: Um, now you've done a lot of sci-fi, fantasy. Are you particularly drawn, drawn to that genre, or just that's just how things have worked out for you?
2: Um, I think, I think.
1: You know, it's weird because I, I love
2: comedy and I love lighter, th- doing lighter things. Although I never get hired to do those kind of things, <laughs> um, I think more so than than being attracted necessarily to fantasy or horror or sci-fi. I'm drawn to the kind of seriousness as an actor, the drama that comes with those kind of those kind of shows and movies and i think you know like a role like john connor for instance it wasn't that i was drawn to the sci-fi factor as much as i was drawn to the amount of weight on this young guy's shoulders and i found that a lot it it happens a lot more um the kind of drama that i like is found in science fiction and horror and and fantasy and all those things because it's just more of a complex world you Mm -hmm. know than what we (laughs) have in reality so I, you know, I, I love doing it, though. I mean, I, I'm i I'm asked that a lot if I choose these kind of projects. And I have to be honest, I, mean, I very rarely get to choose what I do. I mean, I've, cho- I've chosen to say no to things, but the things I've gotten to do have always just have been sort of out of my control but seem to fit. So mm-hmm. I guess I just have like to fit in that world. Mm-hmm.
1: Would you consider yourself a sci-fi fan?
2: Absolutely. Yeah? I mean, yeah. I mean, my my sort of uh, my convention obsessions and geekiness are more linked to... Uh, horror, probably, than, you know, like, my obsession is like the old EC comics, the Tales from the Crypt comics, and when I went to Comic-Con, that was kind of my whole realm, but absolutely, I mean, I, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of TV shows and movies that I, I I saw Prometheus three times, for Christ's sake, when it came out, (laughs) (laughs) and I grew up on the Alien movies, and I, you know, um, Ripley's probably like my favorite character, in in movie history, so i am definitely got my little, my mm-hmm. little stake in that. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: Um, my first recollection of seeing you was on Heroes, but, but I do remember seeing you on Star Trek, mm. um, but uh, tell us how you landed the role, what, what it was like working work with uh, Tim Kring and the company.
2: It was honestly, in a, in a good way, I don't say this in a bad way, it was the strangest experience that I think I've ever had, because when I... When I got the job, it was I was only supposed to be in the pilot. It was ju- All it said was her friend, and originally it was supposed to be a girl. And then they changed it last minute to, to a boy. And I went in. I, I never even got a full script to the pilot. I just had my sides, and I went in and kind of created this little character in my head. And then they were like, okay. And then I did the pilot, and then the next episode they hired me, and the next episode they hired me. Like I never signed a kind of regular contract or anything. It was just kind of one after the next <clears throat> was brought in. And I got to be honest, at that time, I was, you know, I was 18 and being a weird little recluse and I didn't even have TV at the time and I was really unaware of what a hit the show was becoming. I really didn't know because I was kind of in my little, my own little bubble and suddenly right around the time that I jumped from Heroes to Terminator, I found out, you know, what a massive hit the show was and, and actually what a following my character had because I really wasn't aware of that until near the end of my run so that was but you know tim was great and i i I actually hayden was in this london comic-con that i just (laughs) okay so we got a weekend together which we haven't you know we haven't seen each other in a long time a couple years um but i mean yeah i I, I had a i had a, a really great experience but like i said it was weird because i wasn't sort of as involved as I normally am and my jobs of knowing where right. the character's going or what's happening right. so.
3: because it was so episodic
2: it was so yeah and I never knew where where the character was going or what was going to happen and it was all just kind of but then it was weird I felt like the fans of that show knew more about my character than I did in a weird <laughs> way you know what I mean they had more understanding
1: of everything that was going on so but yeah it was great time oh yeah awesome from Heroes determined your physical look and overall demeanor seem to change. Yes, yeah. how you made that transformation. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, yeah, I did
2: woke up a little bit. I mean, I think uh, my my whole thing as an actor is from, from every uh, every character I've ever played, I think that the fun, I mean, there are certain actors who I think like to carry themselves, like be themselves more or less mm-hmm. throughout every part they play. And my whole thing, because it's just more entertaining for me, is to really try and transform from one role to the next and I, so I always try and find a voice, a walk, mannerisms, body language, um, you know, facial expression. I try to really come up with all those things before we start. And, and so that, I mean, the biggest compliment I can ever get is when people say, oh, you know, I saw you in this and I didn't even recognize you. I mean, that's, which is kind of backwards. I think a lot of actors like to be recognized. Yes. I like to be as sort of unrecognizable from one to the next. So, I mean, certainly from Zach, heroes to John was like, you know, they're polar opposite oh, right? uh, kind of characters, yeah. and and I've been lucky to play a lot of polar opposite characters, um, and of course, what helps that is good writing, I mean I think the more generic the writing is, the more generic your performance comes mm-hmm. out, so, you know, John was such a wonderfully specific kind of role, because I think Josh, our, our showrunner, was such a great writer, is such a great writer. Um, that I really got it was helpful and easy in
1: a way to come up with such a specific guy. I would think as an actor that would be a great way to show your range. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. It's
2: really fun, you know. And I've got to, you know, I just did this. I just did this film called Snap, where uh, I've never played a character that was that's so uh, vile and mean and aggressive. And that was, you know, after a year of doing Secret Circle, where I was such a kind of benign, nice guy. It was really great to immediately plunge into this like really dark. Face. Um, but that's the fun of it. Mm-hmm. You know? Otherwise, I get bored.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <That's laughs> yeah. Why do it if you're doing the same thing? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But
2: some people are really great at that. You know, some people have such a personal presence as themselves that it's a great thing that they carry it through. But yeah. I don't I know. know. I like playing.
1: Yeah. Well, you get I, to shift gears. You get yeah. to like playing shift. You like to shift gears,
3: yeah, gears when you can. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. We definitely love you. Oh, it's thank you grand. very we much. We were very sad the series ended when it we did. We were all
2: devastated. <laughs> we, we, you know, it's weird. When I do these cons, it's amazing that these years later, people still are are so upset about that early termination. No pun intended. maybe <laughs> intended. Uh, or maybe intended, <laughs> or maybe intended <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But it's great, you know, it shows. How that and look some of the best shows i think ever of all time have been cut short my favorite recent show was um the killing on amc and that was just cancelled and after two seasons same thing twin peaks was cancelled you know dead like me was cancelled all the shows i really love kind of have like two seasons because I, I think they're almost so fantastic but i guess it's better to to not overstay your welcome <laughs> the flip side it. Of it. yeah
1: but i really thought you were hitting your stride second season i mean you yeah, there was really direction and show, and there going. was
2: such a plan for third season, and it was going to be fantastic. Were you, you in on that plan? Uh, it, a little bit. Um, Josh Friedman is can very. Can you share uh, us any of the plans? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's yeah, yeah n- 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 time <laughs> has gone by. I think sure. that now we can. But I mean, Josh was always very secretive and cryptic with you know specific details, which was kind of his fun game to play. Um, but definitely one of the, you know it was going to be cut between the future with me and the present with. Sarah and the, the sort of ongoing question of is Sarah in the future did she die is, what's she doing now that's going to affect you know because obviously in the third film she died of cancer but we kind of I think we followed the history of one and two but really kind of
1: which I think was a smart choice Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I think everybody thought that and, yeah. uh, people liked that even from the very first episode that we were going on our own path but the, you know and, the, and dramatically it was going to be this crazy thing which has never been done before I don't think really where it was a love triangle between John Cameron, and Allison, the human that Cameron was based on, and both would have been played by Summer Glau. So it's kind of a a love triangle with me and two of her, which is a crazy idea. Right. Um, And, you know, there was also all kinds of crazy stuff, like Catherine Weaver's Shirley Manson's part. Her daughter, Savannah, is one of the leading uh, resistance fighters in the future, and going back to, you know, me saving her when she was a child in our last but one episode. And it was just going to be very clever and... and, um, You know, I would have liked to see where that was going to go.
1: Yeah. As all of us would have. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you talked about about Terminator. Did you you, um, know such a huge uh, thing when you first got into it?
2: Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I, you know, I think like most of us, I grew up with the Terminator movies. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, John in T2 was like, I think I first saw T2 and I was about 11 or 12, and I just thought he was such a cool. You know kid he was, you know, he was just smart and hacker and was going to be the savior you know who doesn't want to do that so when i and i gotta say i was such a fan of the movies that when i initially i remember got sent the the script and the pilot and was told they were going to do it i thought it was a terrible idea i thought you can't do you know the scope of terminator in a weekly series it's just going to be cheap and weak and and all that and then um, <clears throat> when I met Josh and, and David Nutter, who directed our pilot, who really fought for me because the network for a, a while really didn't want to hire me. Um, and I don't know if you guys know, but David Nutter is uh, probably the most famous TV pilot director around. He's only, he's, I think he's only had two pilots he's done that weren't picked up, which oh, is crazy. That is he's insane. sort of, yeah, I mean, he did Smallville, he did Supernatural, he did all these kind of shows. And he really, really fought for me to, to get the part. And, um, but I thought it was going to be terrible, and then when I met them, and then when I really saw what they were doing, and I do think it felt like a Terminator movie every week. Um, that's what we were trying to do, at least. So, But it was incredibly daunting. I was, like, just 19 when right. I got it, and I thought, you know, holy shit, you know, I haven't done... I haven't done... And especially to do that every week and get banged up and do action. I'd never done action before. Oh, okay. Ever, mm-hmm. really. I always played the weird... The weird character mm-hmm. that you know and done the drama and the comedy, but so to, to suddenly be this like action-based character was really
1: exciting. You get to shoot guns and blow stuff up. Oh, you? and the guns were fun. I'm
2: sorry, I'm like really, you know, the whole gun control thing. I, I I'm not for it, but in it in a filming setting, it's very fun. <laughs> you know, it's oh yeah, not, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> it, it is. It's not the gun. Idiots at least mm. times, you know? exactly. You know, it's, it's the people.
3: It is. It is. <laughs> well, it is
1: absolutely. I read on Michael Shanks' Twitter's. Uh, yeah, he was in Stargate. He, you know, he likes his new role, but he misses shooting things and blowing you stuff. You do up. miss it. You <laughs> miss <laughs> it. I miss <laughs> the action. <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: you get to do that in Secret you Circle. Get, no, no, <laughs> none of that.
2: You just get to re- recite spells, which was nowhere near as <laughs> fun. <laughs> well,
1: we have a, we have a listener asked us a question about the Secret Circle. Um, How the campaign to save the Secret Circle make you feel? Will there and will there be a second season? And would you consider doing another sci-fi fantasy show?
2: To your last question, absolutely yes. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You know, it really always just depends on the level of writing. I think. Mm -hmm. I think that you know. I think. I think even what's what Sci Fi Network is doing right now with Alphas and everything is really interesting. I mean, they're really coming up as like a a proper it's great what's happening right now on TV because all these different networks that you sort of do they <laughs> never had their own programming though, yeah. you know, and now they're coming up with their own shows. I mean AMC is awesome and right. all anyway, but to, to answer your other question, um, you know, always when there's a campaign to save something that you've done is really touching because it means that people, you know, have a special place for it in their heart. I I I, I do sadly highly doubt that Secret Circle will be returning um, on any network. But, you know, that doesn't mean stop stop your hope if you do want right. to come back. I mean, because you never know. I mean, these shows sometimes come back in miniseries or TV movie or-, or Comic book version, Comic book, yeah. whatever, you know, or fan fiction. And so, I mean, keep that up. But I do think that as far as like being on a major network, I doubt that that resurgence. Right yeah. Uh,
3: okay. I know they tried that with Terminator too, and it was. Captain I know, Terminator and I mean, there
2: time. was a very, but but that was actually very seriously. I mean, Sci-Fi Network was looking at picking us up. Um, we were possibly going to do, which is still on the table. But I, you know, every year that passes, I it gets less and less right. possible. But there was like we were going to do a miniseries. We were going to do there was all kinds of stuff, that and that was nice. from the fan support.
1: Well, you know? I mean, I think we want to see what, see you guys wrap that
3: that storyline. Yeah. Up.
2: I know, because that's a mean cliffhanger. It uh, was oh, terrible <laughs> cliffhanger. <laughs> <That was crazy>. <laughs> <laughs> it terrible You're
3: like, ah, cancel it?
2: I was just talking about that with my friends, because like I said, obsessed with that show, The Killing. You know, at least, even though that's canceled after two seasons, at least it all got wrapped up. So I could kind of be like, okay, well, I've got my thing, but. That
1: was a fantastic, I mean, I, I'm having a little brain fart, but the actor played your your future uncle. Um,
2: yeah, Brian Austin Green. Yeah, I yeah. mean, uh,
1: he gets killed, you know. Right yeah, out of the blue, bang. Bang, you know, we get no warning. You know, it was just—I mean, it was—it was brilliant, but it was just, you know.
2: Yeah, people really got angry at that. Though. I mean, people were, and I think the writer had a great point. He's like, "This is a show about war. When people die mm-hmm. in a war, they—they they get shot, and that's it. You know, there's kind of it's, it's out of the not, blue. It's, it's out, out of the not. blue, and it's not this big that's dramatic like thing. It. But of course, he came back for the finale. Yeah, he would have been in season yeah.
1: three, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, was, it was still, you know, that you're, even though it wasn't. A, Written as a season finale, had, had so much good stuff in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like that. I like that. But, um, well, you're also producing and directing. So, I mean, you're, yeah. you're branching out. Tell us some more about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I
2: did, um, I directed, Jesus, my first short uh, when I was, yeah, when I was doing Heroes. So mm-hmm. when I was about 18, 19. And, um, you know, I've always written things and written scripts, and um, I just did, uh, I directed these viral videos last year and i directed my own music video and i it's just incredibly um satisfying i mean i think that the, the kind of in the the fun part of being an actor is like you, that you're at the mercy of everyone else but the great thing about being a writer director is that you're it's your baby it's your right, project right. and you're solely in charge so i mean yeah i've got this film now called the walk of fame that i wrote which is about these these uh, kids who move to Hollywood with this sort of dream of celebrity and success and have ended up in the bottom spiral of prostitution and drug addiction and it's quite hardcore and heavy. Um, but so that's the kind of one that we're focusing on making now. And we were actually about to really be in production when I got Secret Circle and I was kinda of like, Ugh, I need you know, I need a job, I need some money, I'm gonna do that <laughs> first. And so now that I'm done with that and, and have the more black schedule of doing films where we're really i'm doing a movie that starts in two weeks which i can't talk about yet Um, but (laughs) but after that check his imd page yeah it'll be out soon (laughs) but but after that um then we'll be we'll be right back into that and i do have a i do have a sci-fi-ish idea actually which is which is fun that i haven't written yet Mm -hmm. but i call it my end of the world party movie which is interesting.
1: Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. You too. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you for here. having me. And watching some of your work, past work on the which um, so in the future.
2: Thanks. Yeah, we're going to have good stuff coming up.
0: I don't feel anything. They don't have feelings. They don't know love. Those machines kill.
2: They kill. That's all they do. And now, they do it for us.
0: There's metal everywhere these days. Connor's got at least one in every major base. That could upset people. There are things machines will never do. They cannot appreciate beauty. They cannot create art. If they ever learn these things, they won't have to destroy us. They'll be us. Human life is sacred. We have to be prepared for any contingency.
2: What contingency would that be?
0: Humans will disappoint you. I don't think you understand how we work. You should have killed him, just like you should have killed yourself. I'm not a murderer. Who is? We're not built to be cruel.
2: Am I God's child?
0: Perhaps in this story, you are God. The pride of man makes us believe that anything we create, we can control. Whether from clay or from metal, it is in the nature of us to make our own monsters. I built a computer, it came and I couldn't be sure. Our children are built from our own imperfect flesh. We animate them with magic and never truly know what they will do. Your John may save the world, but he can't do it without mine. Will you join us? I can do this. I am doing this. John's father, Kyle Reese, told me of an apocalypse yet to come. Like a Pandora's box, he unpacked every horror, every evil. Every dark thing that haunts our future He also left me an unborn son To whom he bequeathed what remained in the box After the nightmare's fled. Oh Humanity
1: rises or falls On your shoulders I'll stop it
2: Human beings can't be replaced Come with me if you want to live
1: I die for John Connor. We all
0: die for John Connor. I die for myself.
3: And we are back. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Thomas Decker. We have the Sci Fi 5 and 5 tonight. Right, this was your creation, right? Yeah, now this is. I'm excited about this one, but before I even share what it is, what we're doing, which I didn't announce in the menu if you, in case you missed it, um, or Miles did, uh, if you want to give us your Sci-Fi 5 and 5, it could be top five, worst five of anything, you can just email them to me at the Sci-Fi Dino Podcast at gmail.com. We ask it to be five things in science fiction, any five things, and typically within five minutes just to talk about it, you can send us an MP3, you can type it up and we'll read it but you can send that to the sci-fi dinner podcast at gmail.com or call it in at 1-888-508-4343. 508 what is our sci-fi five and five tonight so top sci-fi women who could kick our butts yes and mm. being butts is an, it's a nice family friendly way of saying it right so these by the way miles and i kind of collaborate on this list and these are not in any order because all these wi- all these women get handed to us
1: right they're, they're, they would all be number 1 you know <laughs> yeah. and so they're just you know we're just going to give you The
3: list. Yeah, so this is a list. Number one on this list again is Zoe Warren Washburn Mm -hmm. from Firefly and Serenity. She could definitely kick my butt. Absolutely.
1: Well, what did uh, Wash say about her? um, Describing her, I mean, I think you know she she could she could kill with her thumb or something like that. Right,
3: right, right, right. And boy, does she put him. In his play throughout the series, she's so that, definitely
1: the man in this relationship. You know who
3: wears a pants,
1: right? And, and you know, he wears
3: a frilly little dress, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> yes, and uh, the, the, uh, in, in this series, there was you know um, comparing what, what happened you know, between her and uh, Jane if they if they got into it and. It was always figured, you know, she would come in on top of that one.
3: Absolutely. No mm. no, no questions asked. What's her number two? Uh,
1: Ellen Ripley from the Alien franchise. I mean. Uh,
3: <laughs> yeah. Anyone that can take on an alien like she did?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, she uh, is, she didn't start out as, you know, a, a kick put action here as her character, but she just evolved into one. And
3: and she's evolved into one that mm. you do not want to mess with. Not at all. No. Especially when, the, when she's in that cage thing. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, number three is Alice from Resident Evil, the mm-hmm. Resident Evil franchise, and um, yeah, another one that I would not get in the wrong side was she, her. I wonder if anyone has ever counted up how many bodies she's killed in the alien, in the uh, Resident Evil franchise. That would be a
1: good. Uh Good fun fact.
3: Yeah, a good fun fact. I don't Mm -hmm. know if we can find it. And, of course, they keep putting more of them out there. So the body count just continues to increase.
1: Mm -hmm. And next one on the list is Sarah Connor uh, from the uh, Terminator franchise. And that's either Linda Hamilton from the uh, first two movies or uh, Lena Headley from the uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles TV series. These
3: people are cold, calculated people.
1: Right. And And They have to survive. And, again, it was the first movie. She was, that was just not, you know, she was, she was the victim, the damsel in distress. But by the second film, um,
3: yeah. You don't mess with my son, boy. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, no That's no. kind of where we're at. So, number five comes in as, uh, I really should let you say this
1: one. Yeah. She's, she's my girl, my obsession. Um, Summer Glau, uh, either in Firefly, Serenity, uh, or Alphas, or, or Alphas. No, 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 no force in the verse can stop her. Um, yeah, she 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 will kick your butt and uh, hand it to you. Yeah,
3: she definitely will, mm-hmm. and especially as River
1: and look good Holy doing it.
3: Holy, my fa- one of my favorite scenes from the uh, Serenity movie mm-hmm. is that scene where she just takes out the Reavers.
1: Well, what it's just it's set up so well. It's right after um, you know her brother Simon is shot, and she's you know over him. And she goes, "You've always taken care of me," and she says, my turn. And she yeah, jumps, jumps a, into the fray and it's closes like the door.
3: It's like ballet, but it killing.
1: It was a, she was very graceful about it. It's, it's a very. I, I need to
3: watch that scene again.
1: I, I never get bored watching it, and you know she she just give, gives it to the reavers. And then when when it's all said and done, she's got an axe in, in one hand and some other sharp object in the other. You know, <laughs> you know, and she's you
3: know. Oh my word! I just my heart
1: palpitates thinking about that scene, Miles. It's it. it's 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 pure art
3: so let us know if we have missed any women that could kick butt and taste names i'm sure there's a lot other women we could put in there that we didn't um but we'd love to hear what you feel are some of the top sci-fi women who could totally hand it to us right right you know i think of any franchise i think that the that the sci-fi world is the one that has seemed to empower women the most
1: oh i would definitely agree it would definitely shows women as strong characters um I mean there there are some damsels in stress, but at the same time there 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 are strong women who can handle themselves and um you just you, you don't mess with I mean uh,
3: We didn't put Xena in here but that Oh well this is kind of fantasy I
1: guess z- Well Xena um, I'm thinking of uh, black widow from you know uh, you know the oh, Avengers yeah, um, Scarlett Johansson Scarlett Johansson I mean we've seen what what she can do
3: Absolutely yeah mm. and again the list can probably go on but if you want to come up with your own five lists – let us know. We'll play it on the air. Oh, this sure. This isn't the uh, only top five women who could hand it to us.
1: Let, let us yeah, maybe we maybe we miss some.
3: And we could always do the top five men who can hand it to us, and that list might be a little bit longer.
1: That, that, that's that's a little easier to come with. I like I like this list too. Yeah, okay. I like this. I like,
3: actually, let me see. I like this list better. Okay, very good, very good. Well, I believe that is about it. We need to go and uh, shut down the diner, clear off the tables, and it's time, I believe, to get out of here. Where can people find us if they want to haunt us, stalk us, or harass us?
1: All right, uh, sci-fi diner podcast uh, dot com, our main website. That's a good place to start. Uh, if you are um, into the social media, we have our own Facebook page. Uh, we have uh, about three hundred thirty some of us on there. We're, we're Talking about the shows and great movies, great conversations all, about the shows. Great conversations. Uh, so encourage you if, if you haven't joined our Facebook group, please join our Facebook group. Uh, we're all, also on Twitter, Sci-Fi Diner at Twitter. So yeah,
3: and Son of Wharf. My, my uh, personal
1: yeah. handle, is Son of Wharf at Twitter. Yeah, also, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. And uh, I believe that's about it. That sounds good. So uh, I guess until after Thanksgiving all right. in the U.S. Here, we're thankful for you guys, and uh, we'll see you then.
1: Until next time. Good night and good luck. We'll see ya.
2: Hello, I'm Thomas Decker, John Connor from Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles, and you are listening to Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Awesome.